Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast, where we're going to be looking at the Boston uh, Celtics, and we're going to be looking at some stuff on Donovan Mitchell that I want to throw out there, but we're going to start with the Patriots and start with my predictions for the season and predictions for the uh, whole um, group of players um, and the situation involving potential running backs, the depth chart now that preseason's over, and more so what the, the record's going to be um, in the um, regular season. So we'll look at that and then after make my way to um, make my way to the uh, Celtics. So Patriots, they lost to the Raiders 23 to 6. Not the greatest of um, what I would say preseasons. Obviously there's a lot to, to think about, but um, at the end of the day, and I think this is just my opinion is, you know, that's not the biggest indicator on how the season will go, but I will say that it doesn't look great. So going into the season, there's going to be a lot of situations that take place. So now we got to get the roster down to 53 players, and I want to look at this. Um, I've mentioned what I thought it would be before, but now that preseason is actually over and we got ourselves a, a group of guys, here's where we go. So we're going to go down the line, quarterback down. So the quarterbacks, we're going to have two. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Brian Hoyer is going to be practice squad, um, and I think he is going to have more of a practice squad slash coaching type role because he's been there for a long time, and he knows the offense, and so he's not going to be on the roster. He's going to be practice squad. He'll be there. He'll help Mac Jones. I'm sure Belichick will lean on him a little bit, but there's no real reason for them to keep him with Mac Jones as your top starter and Bailey Zappi, who's just someone who is going to be the backup, and he's a rookie, so can't really expect much out of him, but as a backup, you take what you take. If it turns out that they need Hoyer, they can always sign him. Running back situation, we have Ty Montgomery, who got hurt in the, the last game, so he's going to go on injury reserve for the time being. I think they're going to keep four running backs. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Pierre Strong Jr., and Kevin Harris. With Kevin Harris being your fourth running back, um, I don't think J.J. Taylor will stick around. He's out. Um, yeah, I think with the Montgomery injury, that makes for Kevin Harris to get a potential spot. Although I do think Montgomery, because he can be a wide receiver running back, etc., would have probably gotten a spot somewhere. Um, but he's injured right now, and they'll figure out the rest when he gets off of that. So James White is going to retire, and he did. So, you know, they don't have to worry about him. But everyone else, uh, you know, Damian Harris is your number one. Stevenson's number two. Hopefully Pierre Strong is your three. And he's very fast And Kevin Harris at four. Now the wide receivers. Um, here is your wide receiver group. We got Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, this is just my opinion. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Tyquan Thornton, and Trey Nixon. With uh, practice squad, Kristen Wilkerson and LeJordan Humphrey. So I think, obviously, Jacoby Myers is your clear-cut uh, number one with Devontae Parker on the other side. You have Nelson Aguilar and Tyquan Thornton and Kendrick Bourne. Um, I think, to me, 
if it gets to a point where they have too many wide receivers, Nelson Aguilar is probably the most likely to get traded because there are wide receiver needy teams that could go out there and acquire him for a late fifth, sixth round pick or something if it gets to that. But I think it all depends on how some of these other guys do, such as little Jordan Humphrey, Trey Nixon, Kristen Wilkerson. I think Trey Nixon's your last guy on the roster with little Jordan Humphrey and Kristen Wilkerson being your practice squad guys. But assuming, you know, let's say Trey Nixon does great and Taekwon Thornton, then we could see Nelson Aguilar get the boot and get traded because we don't really know if we need him or not. I did see something that Kendrick Bourne, there were people interested or teams interested in him, but the Patriots love his contract. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, this is where um, things are going to go for the wide receivers. Tight ends. Uh, right now, we have um, Dalton Keene, who got released. We have, um, in my opinion, three guys making the team. Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, and I'm going to go with Matt Skoll, who surprisingly has been doing pretty solid as a guy. I think Devin Asai is going to be the practice squad. He hasn't set himself up to really do anything, and he is just going to be the practice squad guy there. Again, if someone gets hurt, then he'll fill in where um, it's needed. So the roster for offensive linemen is very difficult to really decide because I think they're interested in moving Isaiah Wynn, and I think eventually they will. But what I have is probably this group. Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Michael Owanu, Isaiah Wynn for the time being, Yoni Kajus, uh, Justin Haran, and Cody Rusi. So obviously there are other guys who... Um, could potentially fit in, um, and there are um, a few practice squad guys that really could, um, you know, take take aim and take flight. So, um, in terms of the practice squad, I got um, William Sherman, James Frentes, uh, and Chase Hines, um, and Andrew Stuber is an injury um, injury guy. Uh, so. Um, maybe he'll get a practice squad spot when he makes um, a return. Uh, but I think for the time being, um, everyone else uh, is set where they're set. So that's not um, not too bad. So if someone gets hurt, they can fill that when they need to. Uh, defensive line, we have Davon Godchuk, Christian Barmore, Lawrence Guy, Dietrich Wise Jr., Carl Davis Jr., and I'm going to go with um, LeBron Ray as the option and Sam Roberts as practice squad. Now, I think the versatility of, of Ray is what is going to kind of keep him going. Um, and I think that he is someone who could have a bright future. Also, he's a Alabama guy. So you know that there's the Saban connection there, which always helps because um, they play similar football styles at Alabama and the Patriots. That's where I'm going with um, with that one. And then linebackers, we have Matthew Judon, Arfrani Jennings, Josh Yucci, Juwan Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, and injury uh, Ronnie Perkins. Um, I also think they're going to have Cameron McGrone as a practice squad guy um, because why not? Um, I think Mac Wilson uh, is going to step up big as the new guy coming in from 
the uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, so I think, um, yeah, we'll see what happens uh, with this group. But it's a pretty good one for sure. Um, the roster of cornerbacks, Jalen Mills, Jonathan Jones, uh, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Sean Wade, and uh, Miles Bryant and Terrence Mitchell. I think those are your cornerbacks. That's your group. If there was one to be a practice squad, Jonathan Jones, even though he's been with the Patriots for a while, but I think that's what they're going to have for their roster of cornerbacks, which is pretty solid. Then we have the roster of safeties. Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, uh, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, Joshua Bledsoe, which I think McCourty, Duggar, and Phillips are your, your three top guys. They brought in Jabril Peppers as a free agent, and so that's the situation there. And then we have special teams, which we have Nick Folk, Jake Bailey, Joe Zarnota, Matthew Slater, uh, Justin Bethel, um, and Demarcus Mitchell. Um, and I think... Uh, Demarcus Mitchell is going to be someone who is going to get that last spot as special teams. I was torn between Brendan Schooler and Demarcus Mitchell, which I don't know either of these guys. I just picked one to make it. I don't think um, at any point in time uh, one's better than the other, in my opinion. I just really don't know enough. They're both, I think, undrafted free agents. So those guys are going to probably um, get that spot uh, in special teams, um, and uh, one of them will win that out, which I just picked Demarcus Mitchell. It can be whatever you want it to be um, right there. So that's uh, the, the roster, in at least my opinion. So we're going to move on to the record, and I did a little um, record building, show you where the Patriots will be. I'll give you my predictions on every game. Go from there. So Patriots... Going to start the season off with two wins. They're going to win against Miami. I think Devontae Parker is going to have an amazing game against Miami. It's the first game of the season. It's going to be an easy victory um, for the Patriots in this one because I think they're going to go crazy, and it's going to be a great game. Pittsburgh is uh, another win, game two of the season. They don't have a good quarterback. Kenny Pickens isn't there yet. You know, Trubisky, he can't really do much yet. Um, I think there's potential for Pittsburgh to be great, just not right now. It's the second game of the season. They lost Juju Smith-Schuster. I think the Patriots get that dub. Patriots then go two back-to-back -back losses. I don't know if Baltimore is the most ideal team to, to win, uh, but I do think they're going to beat the Patriots. I think Lamar Jackson's great, and I think they're a better team than New England, so they're going to win, even though it is uh, at home. And then we got Green Bay, and that's at Green Bay, so there's no chance of the Patriots winning that one. Then we're going to go down to this stretch of four games where they win all four. First is versus Detroit. That's going to be an easy win. Versus Cleveland without their quarterback, Sean Watson, who will be suspended for 11 games. Versus Chicago, Justin uh, Fields. Not going to win that one, and the Patriots will win. Week 7, Week 8 against the Jets at New York, obviously, um, uh, not really complaining about that one. Um, so, yeah, four victories in a row, followed by Week 9, right before the bye week, Indianapolis Colts, a loss. Jonathan Taylor's going to have, like, 200 or 180 rushing yards and, like, two touchdowns, and the Patriots 
Cannot stop him. Didn't stop him last year. This year they got a better quarterback in Matt Ryan. So Indianapolis gets that victory. Going into the bye week, um, at week 10 and then week 11, we have the Jets victory. Uh, we have um, week 12 and 13, which I put as both losses. I think Minnesota is a toss-up for me. I went with a loss just because I felt like it was the, the best uh, move here. But you could argue they could win that game. It is at Minnesota, so I'm going to probably say uh, that one's a, a loss. Buffalo, uh, week 13, it's uh, versus Buffalo, but it's a loss. Then we got um, week 14 and week 15, which you could, in my opinion, flip-flop these. But I picked Arizona. At Arizona is going to lose that game. Vegas at Vegas is going to win uh, that game for them. So Patriots win against Arizona. They lose against uh, the Vegas Raiders. And Josh McDaniels won in the preseason against the Patriots. Maybe they figure something out. Um, but, yeah, I think Arizona is going to probably lose this one. Kyler Murray, I don't know if he's got it. But the Vegas Raiders, I think they do. So they're going to get that victory over us. Then to um, finish the rest of the season is three losses in a row. Cincinnati, we're going to lose that one, even though it's at home. Uh, at home against Miami, we're probably going to lose that one because... They ain't losing uh, both games against us. You could, if you really wanted to, uh, week one, Patriots lose, and then week 17, the Patriots uh, win. But I just, I think Devontae Parker, first week, he's got to have his revenge. It's going to be at Miami. He's going to get something done. But versus Miami, I don't think the Patriots got it, to be honest. And then the last game of the season is a win for Buffalo. But... What I will say is that there is a chance that the Buffalo Bills lose this game because let's just say they're so far ahead of everyone else in the uh, AFC East. They got no um, no real reason to put the pedal to the metal. So they you know bench Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and play a lot of other players. And the Patriots have the edge because they got all their starters in because they're fighting for a playoff spot. Um, so this game could be a Patriots win, even though it is at Buffalo, if it gets to a point where Buffalo is, has no reason to play their starters and we get the Patriots who do and they could win it. But all things considered, 8-9 record for the Patriots. I don't know where that sits them in their division. I know Buffalo's the number one, but Miami, uh, I don't really know what's uh, going to be their record. And so we're just going to say... Uh, eight and nine is where the Patriots sit at the moment, which is my prediction. And some of these games can be kind of flipped around. You know, you can flip around the Miami games. You can flip around Vegas and Arizona. Maybe Minnesota's a, a victory when I gave them a loss. Uh, there were um, four straight wins, Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, New York. Maybe the Patriots lose one of those games. But um, this is how I see it, eight and nine, um, and that's where we're at. So uh, I like it. Now on to the situation involving the Celtics. And I wanted to just throw this out there um, because it, I don't know if it's a possibility or not, but maybe it is. Maybe this is what we're looking for. I'm not too sure. So there was a bunch of inklings and rumors about Donovan Mitchell potentially getting traded and New York and the Knicks seemed like they were the most logical spot because of the amount of draft picks they had and the whole situation um, with this team 
and you know I think that they want to make the playoffs, and so um, it's potentially a situation where they could make something happen. Now the Celtics were never in on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes up to this point, and they were more in on the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, which didn't happen. And that's surprising because Danny Ainge was with Boston, and there was a little bit of a Danny Ainge uh, connection when he got help from uh, the Kevin Garnett trade with Kevin McHale, and maybe he's going to return the favor to Brad Stevens. I don't know. But uh, according to the most recent reports, uh, it seems like everybody in the uh, Jazz camp want to get this done faster than possible. Um, the league has turned to Donovan Mitchell. Brian Windhorse, um, his words, uh, I believe last week that you thought that the Jazz would make Donovan Mitchell trade before the opener, and it sounds to me, in talking to people around the league, that the Jazz want to try to go even sooner than that. They want to go before training camp. It does sound, as I talk to folks in the league, that the Jazz are trying to apply the gas here to try to juice the offer, especially juice the offer from the New York Knicks. Now, apparently... The Knicks were the front runners, and they had reportedly offered five first-round picks, two unprotected, plus Obi Toppin and Evan Fournier, which obviously was declined because they want more draft picks. Uh, more so, um, they want uh, draft picks that are unprotected, so they want more unprotected picks. Now, if unprotected picks is all they really want, and the players don't really matter, here enters the Boston Celtics. So the Celtics have technically three unprotected first-round picks that they can trade. And they can only trade those picks um, in the year 2025, 2027, and 2029. Now, technically, they could, in theory, trade a first-round pick in 2026. They also could trade a first-round pick which does have a pick swap with San Antonio Spurs in 2028. The 2028 first-round pick is only a pick swap, meaning that they could trade that unprotected to the Utah Jazz, but it would be the worst pick between San Antonio and Boston, whether that's um, the Boston pick, San Antonio pick, doesn't matter. It's still unprotected. You just get the worst of the two. So if the Celtics get the number one overall pick and San Antonio gets the, the 30th pick, you'd be getting that 30th pick because San Antonio would exercise the swap. So, in all situations, um, in terms of, you know, a potential trade, they do have three future firsts, which uh, can all be unprotected. And there's also uh, other ways to get a Donovan Mitchell trade done as well, which, um, adding more draft picks from players getting moved. So, one of the reasons why the Celtics in their fan base seemed upset when the Durant-Jalen Brown rumors came out is because they had to get rid of Jalen Brown in the process. Now, in a Donovan Mitchell trade, if players are not the biggest factor, then actually getting um, the draft picks is more important for Utah. You can make this happen. So there's a few ways that this can get done, and honestly, um, they can actually probably get a better offer because Donovan Mitchell would be great in Boston. And there's other ways to do it. So, the Celtics in this case would keep Jalen Brown, but they would be trading other players away. So they wouldn't be trading away Robert Williams or Marcus Smart or any of their core pieces outside of, in this case, Grant Williams and Derek White, the way I put it. So Derek White would get traded not to Utah, but to another team who has draft picks um, to trade. So I chose the Dallas Mavericks because, number one, 
They lost out on Jalen Brunson, so there's obviously a option for a point guard in Dallas, and I think Derek White can fill that role. I also feel like with either Tim Hardaway Jr. or Davis Bertentans, those are bad contracts that the Dallas Mavericks would be open and willing to trade, and uh, I think they have draft picks, uh, future ones, not this year, but future, um, to trade as well. So um, I think Dallas could get involved because I think Derek White is necessary uh, to be traded because he's the most um, available of the list. He makes $16 million. And Dallas could use a guy like Derek White on their roster to help Luka and help Spencer Dinwiddle. And they have no real need at this point, especially with Christian Wood coming in, no need for Bertans. And so no team so far has offered up unprotected picks for unprotected picks, which in this case, the Utah Jazz would 100% be getting that. And so this move is a beneficial one for everyone involved. And you don't have to choose Dallas. I chose Dallas because it's an obvious choice. And I think it would work. So if they want to get this done fast, the Celtics can jump in. So here's the trade that I came up with. Celtics get uh, Donovan Mitchell. The Utah Jazz get uh, Davis, Bertans, Luke Cornett, Grant Williams, Josh Green, Sam Hauser, and four unprotected firsts, three from Boston, one from Dallas, and the Dallas Mavericks get Derek White. So... The reason why Dallas does this is because they get Derek White, and I already mentioned all of that. The reason why the Celtics do this is because they get Donovan Mitchell without having to give up any of their core pieces. And this move also helps because it gets uh, the center position to Robert Williams, and on the bench is Al Horford, so he becomes your backup center, which is important. So their starting lineup in Boston would be Marcus Smart, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams, and outside of Marcus Smart, all those guys are 25 and younger. Um, and then your bench unit would be Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, Gallinari, um, and then you would have um, Al Horford, and then um, you'd have another open roster spot, which they can use one of their trade exceptions and potentially add in another player. Um, they got a few trade exceptions. They can add someone in. Um, you could also, in theory, add someone else into this trade. Uh, I don't think the money would work, so they probably couldn't do it. But um, using a trade exception, they could expand this trade even further uh, and, you know, bring someone in from that. But, you know, I think the Celtics do it because Donovan Mitchell is a great player, and they're not giving up any of their core pieces besides Derek White and Grant Williams, which I think they'd be open to doing. The reason why Utah does this is twofold. One, Danny Ainge drafted Grant Williams. He's been great, and I think he would love to have him back. And I think between Jared Vanderbilt and Grant Williams, that's a pretty good young core of power forwards. Josh Green hasn't gotten a good look in Dallas, and I think with the Dallas Mavericks, um, I think this would be an ideal ideal trade for them. Um, and then, um, you know, getting him in would help uh, Utah off the bench or as a future starter. I don't know. But it's more so about the four unprotected first-round picks, which most teams haven't really been able to throw out there. And I think, you know, if the Knicks really wanted Donovan Mitchell, they could do it. But I think also, you know, they only offered up two unprotected first-round picks and three uh, future um, first-round picks with protections. I think the Celtics' offer would trump that for draft pick-wise. And the Celtics can also add in... Um, a 2024 pick swap, a 2026 pick swap, um, if they really wanted to add pick swaps in. And so I think this deal 
player-wise, doesn't really help Utah as much. But I think from a, a draft pick standpoint, and if that's what they're looking for, then this is 100% a great move. And their hope is, which I don't know if this is going to be as realistic, that by 2027 or 2029, those Celtics picks become um, valuable and um, their top picks. Which, again, if you got Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, it's going to be hard to see that happening. But, hey, who knows? And I think this makes the Celtics even more of a championship contender. Because why would they not be if you have, like, three potential all-star players plus so many, um, you know, other pieces? I think it's a great situation. And with Malcolm Brogdon coming in, you have Derek White who might be a little bit expendable. So getting rid of Derek White to a team like Dallas who could use him is great for them. And... It really benefits the Mavericks in a lot of different ways, and they would be 100% in on this. And again, it doesn't have to be Dallas. It could be any team out there with a player. You could easily do it with the Miami Heat if they want to get rid of Duncan Robinson. You could swap in Robinson for Bertans and add a first-round pick. You could do it with um, a whole host of other teams, um, and potentially Derek White could be that piece that goes. But I think the Dallas Mavericks, it makes a lot of sense because they have the motivation to go for it because they do need another point guard potentially to fill the Brunson role. So this is something that I think should be on Brad Stevens' radar. I don't know if exactly he's looked at Mitchell like he should have, but this dude, if he wants to get traded, he's got a good reputation, I think, with uh, the Jazz as a you know reliable player. You know, obviously there's the Brad Stevens-Danny Ainge connection, Will Hardy, you know, a Brad Stevens connection. I also think Tatum's pretty good friends with Donovan Mitchell, so I think it's not the worst situation in the world, and I think the Celtics would do this, to be honest. And it's not a move that I could say, eh, it's not going to happen. I think it would happen. So this is something that I think is going to happen, and um, it's something that could happen sooner rather than later. The only issue is Luke Cornett and Sam Hauser can't get traded until October 7th because they have re-signed with the team. So you could, in theory, take out um, Luke Cornett in this deal and put in Peyton Pritchard, but I don't really think they need to. So this deal might not take place today. It could take place October 7th um, or 8th or whatever. But um, I think this is something they would really be uh, making themselves better in doing this trade. Just uh, in my opinion, I think it would be a great move for the Celtics.